Welcome to episode 10 of I Am Steve R. Today we're going to break down step three. You know, you guys have been with me now for a few months and uh, this is the first episode in a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll promise you that uh, now that I'm done with book number four, I've got a little more time to kill and so I am going to try to do this once a week. Uh, so don't hold me to that, but uh, I'm going to do my best to do this once a week as time permits. I've got uh, a big trip to Nashville coming up this weekend, and so I wanted to get this done uh, tonight, and uh, you guys can kind of listen to it at your leisure. But we've reviewed a lot in the time we've had together here on this show. Kind of recap a little bit here. You know, started with... Uh, you know, a sobering reality, and, and uh, that was episode one, just kind of talking about the reality that, hey, I'm an alcoholic, and talked about honesty, talked about relapse, talked about how it, alcoholism and chemical dependency is really a, a disease of self, and then changing the circle of influence begins within. It's about, you know, if, if, if you hang out with people that have negative habits, pretty soon you pick them up, and that was the case for me talked about a spiritual connection and even relationships and early recovery and then in the early part of March I decided you know what I'm going to I'm going to begin to break down these steps because there are a lot of people that are intimidated by the 12 steps they don't understand you know kind of what's expected of them and it can be a daunting task if you see that and you say oh there's all these things I got to do and so I just wanted to provide some commentary we did step one back on March 4th and then earlier this month I did step two you're not crazy but you still need help so if you want to go back and listen to the earlier episodes, they may give you a little context kind of leading into step three. I think it's important to, before we even begin to discuss step three is that AA is basically a fellowship of agnostics, which means that we don't necessarily expect you to adopt Christian principles. Now, I consider myself a Christian, and I, my higher power is God. That is the uh, God of creation. That is God, the... Uh, you know the father of jesus christ that is uh that is my higher power now in the infancy of my recovery i wasn't quite ready to take that step and i think it's important for you to understand that's not expected of you either there's nobody out there people say well you get a sponsor that person's the boss no you're responsible for your own recovery and so you have to kind of pick this whole higher power concept up in your own time and for me initially it was easy for me to accept the fact that there was a power greater than myself. I just wasn't sure what to call it yet. And so that's where the higher power concept comes in. It's like, you know what, no matter what you believe religiously, you can kind of pick your higher power to be whatever you want it to be. It can be the God of creation. It could be, you know, Buddha. It could be, um, you know, whatever. You know, it could be Allah. It could be Mother Nature. It could be the earth. It could be whatever you think is the power greater than yourself. And so let's not get caught up in stumbling blocks about that sort of thing before we even get into step three. There are a lot of people, once they get into early recovery, are not ready to be preached to. And I was one of those. I was one of those people. I didn't want, to, I didn't want the, you know, the religious right God of judgment and eternal damnation because that's in many respects that's kind of what I had learned it's like you know well God will punish you for this God will do that and so in time I learned that many of the things that I believed early in life were not exactly correct 
I didn't. I did things more out of obligation and out of guilt than out of love or out of you know obedience to what I felt was a higher power. And so, as we begin to break this thing down, kind of understand from the get go, you and I don't have to believe the same things when it comes to the higher power concept. I'm just going to encourage you to believe in something. Believe in something greater than yourself. It's helpful to me to realize that there is a plan. There is a plan for my life, and I'm not always completely aware of what that plan is. And it helps to live one day at a time. It helps to kind of stay in the moment. And at times for me, that's an hour at a time or even a minute at a time. What do I need to do right now? Who can help me right now? Not tomorrow, not next week, not before Christmas, today. What do I need to do today to stay connected to a higher power? So let's take a look at step three and begin to kind of break this thing down. Now, the way step three works is it is another one of these steps that is basically a decision. There's no, there's no charts. There's no graphs to fill out. There's no written documents that you have to sign or anything like that. It is a belief in and of yourself. And so if you don't fully appreciate the step, you're only hurting yourself. And so this is one of those things too at times can be a process it may be one of those things that takes you a little while to kind of unwrap (coughs) excuse me oh my goodness i thought i hit pause there but i didn't it's an imperfect world right so i apologize for that but um so let's get into step three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of god as we understood him There's also a bit of a stumbling block there for many people about the word him. You know, it's like, well, hey, you know, Steve, I I don't believe in, uh, you know, gender specific deities and that sort of stuff. And you know what? That's perfectly okay. Because that's not what we're trying to accomplish here today. We're not trying to get you to, you know, be converted to a religious sect or anything like that. And so if you need to change that phrasing in your mind from, you know, as we understood him uh, to her, or to it, or whatever, whatever works for you is fine. And that's the thing about this, it's not necessarily a cafeteria-style deal, but in the infancy of your recovery, I'm going to encourage you not to put up stumbling blocks for yourself, not to begin to say, well, you know, those guys believe this, and so it won't work for me. No, it will work for you if you work the steps. And so let's kind of break it down a little bit as we go here. So we're making a decision to turn our will and our lives over. That, that, to me, that is the action part of it. You know, the second part of it is very, very important. But the decision in and of itself is really the greater issue here. And so for me, you know, I was a person that always felt like I needed to be in control. It's like, what's my life? I've got to make these decisions. I've got to hold everybody in place. I've got to do things as I like them. And we get this, you know, this main character energy where like our life feels like a movie and we're the main character and other people's feelings and, you know, and beliefs don't really matter. And we just want to keep them in our lives and we're willing to kind of make some concessions in many respects to kind of keep them there because we feel like that in and of itself is a control issue. And so what step three is really encouraging you to do is to kind of let go of all of that 
kind of let go of control and to just kind of go with the flow. I am a big live and let live person. You know, I heard in a meeting one time that 90% of the things that we get pissed off about really aren't our business. I found that to be true. And usually my anger and resentment stems from expectations. You know, when I have expectations of people that are perhaps unfair to them or perhaps are rooted in selfishness, and then those people don't live up to those expectations, I get angry. I get resentful. And so nearly 30 years of recovery has kind of taught me to kind of love people where they are. Rather than have them change to fit what I think they should be, if you just kind of love them where they are. Now, that might, that might mean that I'm, I may have to be kind of careful how close I let them get to me. There's some control issues there. But what I would encourage you to do is this whole thing about making a decision to turn the care and the will of our lives over to a higher power. I said that incorrectly. Our will, turn our will and our lives over to the care. So here's the deal about that. We, we hear the phrase in AA all the time and NA and Celebrate Recovery and many other 12-step programs is to let go and let God. So what that basically means is this, is there is a God, there is a higher power, and it's not me. That is the fundamental part of step three, to understand that there is a world that's out here spinning, and I did not set that in motion. Life went on before me. It will go on without me. The world will not end when I do. And so that seems to be a pretty basic concept, but at the same time, too, we can kind of convolute that a little bit and think, well, wait a minute, you know, how could any of this kind of go on without me? You know, one of the realities for me is, you know, when I was locked up in the RID program uh, for six plus months, you know, all the people that I ran with, you know, they continued to go to work every day. They continued to pay bills every month. Their lives went on. And all of those obligations that I had, all of a sudden, I didn't seem quite as important. And so I kind of use that knowledge to really help me understand step three. It's like, well, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not the main character in this show. If life and this movie can go on without me, then there is some humility involved in every bit of that. I begin to kind of learn that, you know what? I am part of this. I am not the central figure of this. And so it, it really benefited me to kind of get out of myself a little bit and kind of get out of selfishness and begin to kind of understand that I am a character in this play. I am part of this production, but I am not necessarily the director. I'm not the writer. I might even, not even be the main character. And so it was pretty easy for me to say, okay, because of the fact that I was raised in the church, I kind of always had a working knowledge of a supreme deity and so again for me that's god and for again it may be something different for you and again that's okay so this was a much easier step for me to take i think steps one and step two were probably more difficult but they kind of laid the groundwork for me to get to step three and so the way that it was explained to me by my sponsor is you know, all these things that come up in life, every little bitty thing, the minutia of life, I just simply wanted to control every bit of it. I wanted to make every single decision. And then in time, I learned that, you know, 
I was really making myself sick with all of that. I was making myself crazy. I was making my life more frenetic by trying to do it all. It's kind of like, you know, I worked in a retail furniture business for a long time. And one of the biggest lessons that I can give to people that are young in management is learning to empower your people. You know, you don't hire and fire in your own image. You don't promote in your own image. But what you do is you empower people to do the things that maybe perhaps you don't want to do or you can't do. Because you can't do it all. I drove myself crazy trying to do it all. You know, I had a warehouse that I had to manage over. I had a warehouse manager. I tried to do his job for him. I had a credit manager, somebody that handled collections and credit extension. I tried to do his job too. I had a lead salesperson. I tried to do their job too. I tried to teach them how to manage the sales force. And so eventually you find out that you get the law of diminishing returns because you simply cannot do it all. There is too much to do. And so I use that analogy to kind of look at this more personally. You know, there are some things in life that sometimes we just simply need to let go of. Now, surrendering control is not giving up. That means that doesn't mean that we're just okay, well, I just we'll just go with the flow and you know, whatever happens, happens. But the truth of the matter, there is some truth in that belief. It's like here's the deal. I know that I'm gonna be okay. I know that if I get up today and I don't drink, I put one foot in front of the other, try to do the next right thing, that at the end of the day, things are going to be okay. They may not be exactly as I want them, but if I get up and say, you know what, I'm going to let life be life. I'm going to live life on life's terms, and I'm going to do all I can do. And that's where, for me, it was very difficult. It's kind of learning where the line was. Because I'm believed to be very intelligent. And I believed, to be, I believed I was the kind of person, too, that you know, nobody could do the job better than me. Well, the problem with that was is that uh, in time, you begin to get these diminishing returns because oh, it's like, oh, well, let me go clean the warehouse today. Well, we got a sales meeting today. Oh, well, I, I'm not going to be able to attend a sales meeting. Oh, well, then we've got these credit problems or as a customer wants to do this, whatever. And so the next thing you know, I'm just kind of chasing my tail. And, and I'm getting a lot of work done, but I'm not making a lot of progress. And that's kind of how it is in our personal lives. It's like we stay busy all the time or we look busy all the time, but we're not really getting anywhere. Kind of running in place. We're exerting a lot of spiritual and emotional and physical energy, but not getting a lot of progress. But when you begin to kind of say, okay, listen, this is what matters most today. This is what I'm going to focus on today. Now, tomorrow's issues may be completely different, but I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. But today, this is what I need to do. And I'm going to let my higher power handle the rest of it. Because I believe that my higher power will honor my labor. If I give all that I have on what is in front of me today, and I let God do the rest, I'm going to be in pretty good position spiritually. Because the thing that I've learned about all of that stuff and having a relationship with a higher power is that when I want more of the credit, I get more of the work. And sometimes we want to play God. Sometimes we begin to think, you know, well, listen, God, I I know better than you, or higher power, I know better than you, or Allah, or Buddha, or whatever you want to call it, Mother Nature, the spirit of the earth, I know better than you. Well, you know, the spirit of God has been on the move since the creation of time. And so all of a sudden, you know, I was not born to all of a sudden create a better mousetrap and tell God how that he should run the earth or how he should run my life. And so 
there's all of this self-will run riot stuff that happens when we're in, when we're in active addiction because we begin, we begin to get very, very, very selfish. At least it was for me. I was very selfish. And everything I did had a, had a selfish element to it because I wanted to get the credit for it. I wanted to get the praise for it. I didn't want to share in that with anybody else. And then one day when I kind of had this spiritual awakening and I began to realize, you know what? I can't do this alone. I can't. I can do the best that I can, but I need some help. I need some divine intervention at times. I need to know that somebody has my back. I need to know that somebody has my best interest at heart. And I believe that to be the case for my higher power. Now, some would say, well, you know, you kind of create this. It's all in your mind. It's your imagination. You know what? It's the belief that matters. I don't need the evidence. I don't need somebody to make a case for me about the higher power concept because I have lived it. And so I know it. But in the beginning, I didn't have the benefit of that knowledge. In the beginning, I was like, well, you know, maybe God's angry at me, you know, because I've been a bad person. I've went out here and done some really bad things, all in the name of alcohol and drugs. You know, maybe God's going to punish me. But the truth of the matter is, is that there is a loving God out there that uh, once, you know, one of his sheep gets out of the, out of the, out of the barn there, he wants to get it back. You know, he wants us home. And so once I came back, I began to kind of reconnect you know, with God and find a way to accept my role as a sheep rather than a goat. You know, I was a wayward sheep and all of a sudden there was safety being back with the flock. Now, I might be a sheep that's got a little black fur. You know, I might not be the pristine sheep and you know what, that's okay too. But making this decision to say, you know what, God, I need your assistance here. I need you to kind of lead me in the way that I should go. And part of that too, for me, is beginning to have some spiritual foundation, whether it be through prayer or meditation or a daily devotional. You know, and for some people, it's, you know what, Steve, I, you know, listen, I, I appreciate having some positive thoughts and some positive affirmations, but I'm not ready to pick up some biblical uh, Bible study devotional. You know what, that's perfectly okay. You don't have to. I'm a firm believer in the, uh, you know, the, the one day at a time book. I'm a firm believer in the daily reflections. Because a lot of that, too, kind of lends me, you know, some support to understand that, uh, that this, is, this whole program of AA, this program of NA, the Celebrate Recovery Program, that there have been thousands upon thousands of people before me, before I was even born, that worked these steps and found a new life. And so if nothing else, I can place faith in that. I might struggle at times with the higher power concept, but I can at least be assured that there have been other people in a situation worse than mine that had drinking and drugging careers worse than mine that found a new way to live. And so because those people had had that experience, I began to kind of have some realizations myself. I say, you know what? Those people are not special. They're not smarter than me. They're not better than me, but yet they seem much happier than me. And so a lot of that is attributed to step three. It's like, you know what, why, why do they look so serene? Why do they look so at peace? And it's because they have lived a life one day at a time. They understand that God has their back. It's like, if I get out of here and do the things that I'm supposed to do, and I live a life that is consistent with the laws and my own beliefs and morals, that God is going to bless me. 
Now, we may not feel worthy of that, but that's the reality of it. And there are so many people that look at this step and say, well, you know what, this isn't going to be for me because, you know, they mentioned God and they mentioned all these other things. And so I just encourage you not to look at this and look for reasons to skip the step. Because before you get into a fourth step or a fifth step or anything like that, you're going to need to be acknowledged in all this. You're going to have to have an understanding about turning the care of your life over to a higher power. Now, for us, for many of us, we look at that and say, well, you know, I like to be in charge. I like to be in control. I want to make my own decisions, live my own life. That line of thinking is what got us here in the first place. You know, once we tried to control everything, because that's what we do as alcoholics and addicts, we, we did definitely try to control things because we think, okay, well, this is what makes me feel better about being me. And so if I have to push this person out, or if I've got to control this, or I've got to schedule this to ensure that I get my medicine, then that's what I'm going to do. So for many of us, we already possess the skill. We already possess the ability uh, to make those decisions about control. And for many of us, we gave the control and our will over to drugs and alcohol. Because in many respects, that became a higher power to us. It's like, well, I have faith that if I go drink this alcohol, if I go have a beer, I'm going to feel better. We have faith that, you know what, if I go out here and buy some drugs and I take them, I'm going to feel better. Now, you don't know that for sure, especially initially, especially if you go get some bad weed. You, know, you go smoking, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I spent my money and I'm not getting any benefit from this, so I got some bad juice here. So what do I do? But in time, it becomes a learned behavior. And so it's like we drink and we have the confidence of knowing that enough of this will alleviate the pain. And so because you have that ability already, we just simply need to redirect it towards something else. So rather than having faith in things that are detrimental to us, let's place our faith in things that are beneficial to us. So now all of a sudden I've removed drugs and alcohol from my life and I redirect that energy towards, okay, God, listen, I tried it my way and I screwed it up. I'm going to give you a shot. I'm going to just go, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you know what's best for me. And all I'm going to do tomorrow is I'm going to get up and make a decision not to drink or use. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do my chores around the house so I can stay married or I can stay in this relationship, or I can see about my kids, and then I'm going to get in the bed sober and clean tonight. That's my goal for this 24 hours. And then I'm going to trust that you're going to handle the rest. Now, I can promise you, when you go to bed at night, and you do your, you know, we hadn't got to step 10 yet, but you know, when you begin to do step 10 on a regular basis, and I try to do that every evening, some days are better than others. I think about, you know, did I do anybody wrong today? You know, do, 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 I, do I owe anybody any amends? And I, and I try to handle those as quickly as possible. Because it's not just for them. A lot of that's for me. You know, I want to alleviate that worry for my life. Because if we, when we begin to have that, you know, we create these alternate realities and say, well, they probably don't even like me anymore. And that little voice in our head gets going. But the next part of that is, you know, before I get, you know, I lay down at night. And a lot of times when I get up in the morning, you know, I take my dogs out in the morning. I spend some time outside and, 
And that's when I do a lot of prayer and meditation. I, I'm always so grateful to, to wake up. You know, I'm always so grateful to be able to be outside and enjoy the sunlight. And I just think, you know, listen, God, thanks for all that I have. And thanks for all that you blessed me with. And let, just let me make it through the day today. And whatever I encounter, you just kind of lead me in the right direction. You kind of nudge me the way that I need to go. Because I'm going to trust that you got my back. I'm going to trust you just like I trusted those drugs to get me high. I'm going to trust you just like I trusted that liquor to get me drunk. And I'm going to trust you the way that I trusted all of that to make me feel better about the problems I had in life. And so today I just want to get a little bit of a reprieve from all that. You know, give me a break from all that and help me kind of work through that. Give me the opportunity to have some conversations or to make some amends or to maybe demonstrate in my life that I have changed so that those things are not a trigger for me anymore. And those are the things that I began to think about, you know, once I began to maybe get, you know, a few months sober, I'm thinking, okay, well, listen, yeah, it's been pretty good, you know, I've, uh, I've met some cool friends, and uh, I'm starting to look better and feel better, starting to put a little bit of weight on again. I'm smiling a little bit more. But there's got to be more to this. There's got to be more to it. Because, you know, I see these other people out here that have been around a few years, and I think, you know, listen, look, look how you know, successful they are. Look, they're not even one of us anymore. And that's kind of the story you tell yourself. It's like, well, why are they coming to meetings? They're not struggling with these cravings. They're not struggling with these issues. Well, yeah, it's because they've already worked the steps. And so you need people that have, you know, some you know, long clean time or sobriety to kind of show you as, as to be an example to you. And I remember a guy named Johnny O when I was in Hattiesburg. I mean, I, I thought Johnny was so cool. And, uh, you know, when I first came in the program, I was like, you know, I really wanted this guy to be my friend and be, be impressed with how smart I was and how well I spoke in meetings, and uh, he didn't pay me any attention at all. And after I had a year or two in, I, one day I just told him, I said, you know, Johnny, I always wanted to be your friend. And I just wondered, you know, what's the deal, you know? I mean, you always kind of kept me at arm's length, and, you know, and then I got like a, a year sober. And he goes, man, Steve, when you first came in, I was crazy about you. He goes, but you know what? We have so many people come in and out. You, just, you learn not to get attached until people kind of figure this thing out. And so I found in time that the friends that I had through AA and recovery were a lot better than those drinking and using friends that I had before. Because those people, just like my higher power, had my best interest at heart. They didn't want me to drink. They didn't want me to use. And so for me, you know, the transformation didn't take a lot of time. Because I had heard so much that I just wanted to be whole again. And so I began to think I'm so broken and I am so woeful in my misery that I am not capable of getting myself out of this alone. And it's one of those things, too, you almost have to be honest with yourself. And I believe you have to test your higher power. So you know what? Here's the deal. I'm going to trust that you're going to handle these things and I'm not going to worry about them. And then in time, what's crazy is those things begin to get taken care of. It's amazing how when we do the right things for ourselves, that the energy around us begins to manifest positivity. I'm a firm believer in karma, and you can call it whatever you want. I mean, in every religious faith, there is a basic tenet when it comes to karma. You know, the, the, the Bible tells us, you know, you reap what you sow. 
And so when I, you know, when I sowed negative energy in the world, I got that back. When I began to sow positive energy, I began to get that back too. When I was out there breaking laws, going into people's medicine cabinets, you know, stealing alcohol where I could get it, running around in clubs, chasing bar flies, you know, living, you know, a promiscuous lifestyle and that sort of stuff. It was incredible how nothing seemed to work out. It's because that's, that's the energy I was putting out in the world. I didn't care if some girl was attached. I didn't care if she was married. I didn't care if she was dating. I didn't care if she had kids. I didn't care. Because my, my need and my use for her didn't really, ma- didn't really matter about a long-term relationship. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, all of that was single-serving to begin with. You didn't care about anybody's heart. You didn't care anybody's feelings. You know, it was all rooted in selfishness. And so because I cared so little about those things and I began to put that negative energy out there and kind of lived a life beneath my morals, it was incredible the consequences that I got as a result of that. And then suddenly, as I began to kind of realize, you know, things are calm. Why are things so calm? Why why did things get better? What's all of a sudden? Well, all of a sudden, I'm not running around with those people. I'm not having to go break into, you know, convenience stores out there to get some money to fund the drug habit. I'm not out there, you know, stealing medicine from people's medicine cabinets that they need to live. And so there is, in my life, tremendous amount of evidence that supports the fact that if you do good things, then good things happen to you. If you avoid negative behavior the negative energy, for the most part, will avoid you. I used to think I had a cop problem. And they're picking on me, right? They weren't picking on me. It's just that I fit the profile because of my behavior. It's like, I don't understand why they won't let me be. And it's incredible. You know, I drive to my hometown now, and nobody ever says anything. You know, nowadays, people want to stop and get a picture with me. I remember you know, years ago, they'd stop me just to see if I had anything on me. It was, and sure, there may have been some level of harassment, but I, but I earned a lot of that stuff. I did. And there was a good chance if they'd called me at the right time, they'd have called me with something. They didn't. But it's incredible how when I changed my own behavior and my own belief system, that a lot of that went away. It did. It is a miracle of life. And I'm a firm believer in the fact that, uh, you know, it all starts with me. We talk about, you know, it being a program of, of, of selfishness. I mean, I, I already had, you know, that muscle pretty much built up. I knew how to be selfish, but I was selfish in all the wrong avenues. I was selfish because I was trying to find a way to get loaded. I was trying to find a way to get high. I was trying to find a way to, you know, involve myself in, you know, some shining new memory and wake up one day with a story to tell that maybe you guys didn't have. And so there is so much ego in all of that. But when I begin to kind of sit that aside, all of a sudden, I had better friends. I had a better job. I had a better life. It's because the seeds that I was sowing in the world were better. So rather than sow seeds of bitterness and resentment and, uh, you know, promiscuity and alcoholism and things like that, it was incredible that... You know, when I began to say, you know what, I'm going to get up and go to work today, and I'm going to try to be as normal as the neighbors next door. 
It didn't take too long, and I was just as normal as the neighbors next door. They never knew that I was an alcoholic and a drug addict. And that was one of my big goals early on. You guys have heard me talk about that. I just wanted to be the good neighbor. I just didn't, I didn't want to be the guy that was having a party that people were calling the police on or, you know, cars lined up and down the street and people leaving your place is trashed, you know. I just didn't want to be that guy anymore. And it didn't take long. All of a sudden, hey, the, all they knew about me is, hey, the guy gets up every morning, goes to work, comes home. He might run a blockbuster or whatever. And then, uh, you know, it's him and his friends sitting around watching, you know, movies. They're pretty quiet over there. And that was a big departure from my old behavior. That was new behavior for me. And I loved it. I loved being boring for a while. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like I just, I just didn't want to be the person that was causing problems in the neighborhood. I didn't want to be that neighbor. I remember a time when I was living uh, off Weathersby Road there in Hattiesburg. I mean, you know, you know, I had a guy next door who was kind of my drug connection, and, uh, you know, I'd borrowed his bong one day, and I go walk, walking out there to bring it back to him, and there's my landlord sees me carrying it. You know, I mean, it's just like it didn't even faze me. I went back and kind of laughed about it to my roommates. I don't think it was some big surprise to anybody that I was involved in drugs and alcohol. I mean, I wore that like a badge of honor. And so when I began to kind of walk those things back, and we talk about, you know, step two being restored to sanity, when I got on the business side of step two, and I said, you know, well, looking back, man, that was some insane thinking. This is some insane behavior. And so once I acknowledged the fact that I, number one, that my life was completely unmanageable, and that I had wrecked it nearly beyond repair, I was powerless over alcohol. Once I got that done, then all of a sudden I could kind of say, you know what, some of my behavior has been insane. And then that kind of woke me up. It's okay, well, now we've acknowledged I've got a problem. And that I do believe that there is a power out there that could restore me to sanity. Now all of a sudden I'm ready to kind of take the next part of this. And I'd say, you know what? I believe in this power. And I believe that this power can help lead me in a direction that gives me more of what I want in life. And I don't mean from a material standpoint. I mean, from the fact that I just wanted to have a normal life. I wanted to be able to go get a job and get married and have a relationship and have a family. And that's eventually what I got. But I had to take care of me first. And there are so many people that I talked to and and I had some conversations today. And at least once or twice a week, I hear from somebody new. It's like, you know, I don't know where else to turn. I've heard you talk about recovery so much, I just wanted to reach out. Anything you can do to help me would be beneficial. I could almost copy and paste the same message over and over again. I don't, but I could because the, 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 the symptoms are always the same. And so the thing that I always kind of get back to with the step three when I, when I engage with people here is don't be intimidated by the wording in the step. Because this is really the first one that kind of requires you to have a little bit of faith. And, you know, when I got into the program, I didn't have a lot of faith. I needed somebody to kind of explain it to me the way that I've explained it to you today. Is that I already had the ability to do it. I already had the ability to have faith. I already had the ability to put my trust into something. I just simply had to redirect it. I know that I'm repeating that, but I think it's important that we, we kind of belabor that point just a little bit today. You already know how to do it. You already know what to do. 
But we, get, we see that phrase up on the wall and we start thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But, you know, the truth of the matter is you are. How long do you want to hurt? It ends when you're ready. That's the biggest, most important lesson that I think you can learn today is that it's over when you're ready for it to be over. You're in charge of every bit of that. You're not on this runaway train. You can flip the switch and you can slow that thing down and get off the train today. You don't have to wait until tomorrow. You don't have to be like me. You don't have to wait until all of your friends are, are sick and tired of you. You don't have to wait until your family's kind of given up on you. You don't have to wait, and not all of them. I know some of them are listening to the show, and they'll, they'll get their feelings hurt. So I had some family that stuck by me, but they were way behind me. You know, they let me make my own mistakes. You don't have to go to jail. You don't have to go to rehab. You don't have to be in these toxic relationships. You don't have to lose it all. I lost everything. I lost absolutely everything. I lost my freedom, my friends, my family. I did. You don't have to do those things. You can stop today. But if you're already where I am, or maybe you're already on the way to where I was, it's time for you to take these steps. It's time for you to kind of understand, you know what, there is a plan, there is a God, it is not me, it is not my plan. But I am willing to accept whatever that may be, because my own decisions, my best thinking, completely wrecked my life. And that's the thing I began to think about, you know, years ago, it's like, you know what, maybe I should really try this God thing. You know, maybe, you know, because I'd always just kind of have my toe in the water. You know what I'm saying? What if we just reared back and just took a run and jump? And so, you know what? I'm going to try it your way, and we'll see. You know, one of the things that I did, and this is one of the last stories I'll share with you before we get out of here for today. My first sponsor, Robert P., God rest his soul. One of the things that he used to kind of instill in me, and we talk about these things uh, regularly, is... Take a real inventory of your best thinking. Think about the decisions you made in relationships, the decisions you made uh, as it related to you know how you treated your family. Look at the decisions you made and, and the, the, maybe the, the lives you hurt in order to get drugs and alcohol. Look at the way you treated people when you were under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Those were our decisions. And so if we're capable of making those bad decisions, when we begin to get restored to sanity, then you would think, okay, I'm not scared to make decisions. So what if I made the right decisions for me? And with the guidance of a caring and loving God, all of a sudden my decision-making process improved. And so, again, I don't want you to get all hemmed up about this, okay, well, Steve believes in God, you know, the God of creation, you know, the Father of, uh, of Jesus Christ, and so it won't work for me. Listen, uh, as my friend Bob used to say, I don't care if you think God rides a Harley and smokes Roy Tans. If that's what works for you, then that's what you do. You know, we can deal with all this religious stuff later. We don't have to deal with it today. We're just trying to get you sober today. We're just trying to get you back on the path today. And you know what? Whatever you choose to believe later on as it relates to uh, maybe, you know, your religious beliefs or, you know, uh, Christianity or whatever, that, that's up to you. But today, we're just focused on getting back into bed tonight without having had a drink or drug. 
And that's powerful stuff, man. Because if you can do it one day, you can do it a second day. You can do it a week. You can do it a month. But it all starts with just one day. One day, one decision. But it's got to be a decision we stick with. And I want to share one thing before we get out of here, too. And I, I get a chance to give out chips at meetings sometimes. One of the reasons that I love to do it is, number one, I like all the free hugs, right? I like, I like those hugs. I like seeing a smile on people's faces when they get chips. But the, the main reason I like giving out chips is I like giving this little speech. And I say it all the time. And it's one of those things that God laid on my heart years ago. And I always tell people, when we get ready to give a desire chip out, I say, does anybody want to choose our way of life or does anybody need a new one today? We go all the way through it. And I give all, you know, all the way down to the year or whatever. And I always say, does anybody else want a desire chip? And I say, because here's the deal. If you ever do need one of these, maybe you don't need one today, but maybe you go out there and you slip up a little bit. You come on back and you pick one of these chips up. We're not going to judge you. There's no contest. You know, we're not having a race to see who can stay sober the longest. We just want you around. And sadly, for a lot of people, relapse is a part of recovery in the beginning. You know, I recently had a friend that, um, you know, had a, a relative, a family relative that uh, somebody they loved very much that uh, had three years sober went back out. And so I'm not going to sit here and tell you relapse has to be a part of your life. But if it is, don't let ego stand in the way. Don't think, well, I want, I'm not going to go in there and pick up a chip because Jason's going to judge me. I'm not going to go in there and pick up a chip because, uh, you know, Steve's going to think less of me. I'm not going with those guys fuck they got the better of me. Listen, we love you. You're one of us. We just want you back. And if that means that you've got a day sober, then so be it. We just want you to be sober. We want, we want to be part of your life. We don't want you to go out there in that, you know, that vast you know, abyss of loneliness all over again. We don't want that for you. We love you. We absolutely do. So don't ever let your ego keep you out of the program. Don't be scared. You, know, you ain't got to pick it up. I don't even care if you pick it up. But don't be one of those kind of people that says, you know what, I made a mistake and I'm going to have to live with the consequences for the rest of my life. No, you don't. You can make a new life for you today. That's going to do it for today. I want to remind you, no matter what you're going through, no matter who's hurting you, no matter how you've hurt somebody else, no matter how much you're hurt inside right now, no matter what's going on, you're not alone because I'm right there with you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.